0: Hey, this is Sydney Manning, and you're listening to Live from the Cafe, recorded live at Venture Cafe Cambridge, where innovation is for everyone.
1: The following Ask Me Anything was hosted by Chuck Goldstone during our Social Impact Connect night. Chuck, a seasoned mentor and strategist, fields questions from a group of social entrepreneurs about how to best craft their message and tailored their communication strategy. So this is, they've na- named this series as if you ask me anything. But I want to be very clear about something. <laughs> it's not everything. Uh, so uh, for instance, we're not going to talk quantum physics. I know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. I just discovered what a, first, a second cousin once removed is. Now, that is a kind of uh, quantum physics thing that I also didn't understand. I don't know anything about hockey, so please, no questions there. Um, they're nothing embarrassing, including the story when they're in fifth grade ah. with the story of uh, Judy Finkel. Uh, so I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and there's a very long list. So when we get to the question part about asking me anything, keep in mind there's certain things that I will not be doing. So what are we going to do in the few minutes that we have here? Um, I mean, sometimes I'm so excited about talking about story and what we do and, and, and how I can get you to be able to get him so interested he's going to say, okay, we got something not to the talk. There's a lot of stuff that's going lot there's a lot of messages out there, and one of the problems is we are so inundated with, with story and information and just, just, there's noise. How can we be heard about the noise? How can we be not only heard about the noise, how can we be very clear about what it is that we do? I talk in, in my workshop about the most important question you're ever going to answer. And let me say, what is the most, you walk into a room, so you're, you've got a startup, you've got an idea, you walk into a networking thing, and they find out your name, maybe, but what's the first question anybody says? What do you do? What do you, exactly. And I ask people all the time, I say, what do you do? And they tell me, and sometimes when and they're done, I want to nod and say, that's really interesting. <laughs> I just have one follow-up question. <laughs> what do you, you do? <laughs> right. We don't do, and part of the problem is we're so close to what it is that we do that we tell the story from the inside out. We got to stop doing that. We got to understand who our stakeholders are. We have to understand who we're talking with. And and we may be the subject matter, but the story is not about us. The story is about them. We have to tell our story through the lens that is going to be most appropriate for the people who we're trying to reach. So, we have uh, a a little time today. I'm going to spend a few minutes giving you a little bit of a, of a background. Then we're going to talk about topics that are important to you. So I'm going to be sharing my advice from the experience that I've had through the years, but I also want us as a little group to share our own experiences. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. I started out, in my first career was actually in radio and TV. And I learned something really interesting about radio, in, in radio, probably the most important lesson I ever learned, and that is you I was only this far away from somebody tuning out. So what, so I'm sorry? I would press the Turn radio off. button and they oh, yeah. would tune in to somebody else. Okay. If I said something that I thought was funny and they didn't, <laughs> or I played a piece of music <laughs> that they didn't like or said, we have to totally, we have to continually engage people. We have to continually engage people, and that's our responsibility. Your audience doesn't owe you anything here's the thing about tuning out, you sometimes don't know. Here it is. I could be sitting across the table from you, we could be talking, and you could have pressed that button earlier. So you need to make sure that you read your audience, that you engage your audience, and you know enough about them to know how to continually keep them excited and keep them engaged. So. I had a consulting firm for years, and we did very high-end video and film and messaging and communication strategy. And then I got really very interested in this startup community, which I love. Never seen more excitement and ideas and passion, interesting people. My business plan is not so good because none of you have any money, <laughs> 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 but it. That we make up for it doing some other things. So anyway, there, there was this balance between startups and the real world but in the end, hey, you won over over money. Story is not about pitching. You know, I coach people all the time who are looking for funds and, I, and, I, and sometimes I apologize to people and say on behalf of people who are teaching you how to pitch They're teaching you the wrong stuff. They're teaching you formats and outlines. I can teach you that in five minutes. And if we had more than an hour here, I would teach you, here's the template. And I would teach you it in five minutes. The important thing is, what is the art and science of moving our audiences to action? So they say, hey, I like Alex. I want to listen to him. You know, Julie has a really great idea. Uh, She's got to tell me more. I mean that's that's what all this is about. So it's about it's about telling our stories. And I want to tell you that this great idea that you have, I mean, you're all in here because you have a good idea that you want to pursue. This great idea you have is in fact the second most important thing to guarantee your success. First is convincing other people. Unless you can do that, you're out and you're gonna be one of the 70 to 90% of the people who do not succeed. I'm gonna guarantee you: You can't tell your story, you're not gonna succeed. You have a mediocre pitch, you're not remembered, you're not gonna succeed. 70 to 90% of startup companies fail or falter, and it is not because 70 to 90% of ideas suck. It is simply because they could not convince other people. So it really is about your story. You are no better than your story. So ultimately, what you need to do to become successful is you have gotta have people, every presentation you give has to do three things. Number one, you have gotta get people to listen, not to not. You've gotta get people to like you, and by like you, I don't mean they're gonna invite you to Thanksgiving dinner. But what they are going to do is they're going to say, I trust this person, there's credibility, there's something that's interesting, there's something aligning. But the most important is they have to do what you want. Every communication that we have, the reason we act, or the reason we pitch, the reason, we communicate the reason we do presentations is not to show bullet bulleted slides it is to move people to some kind of action getting them to do something everything so the very first thing if we did our big workshop the very first thing i would say is any presentation find what you want them to do start by finding the verb what do you want someone to do fund me me, buy buy my product, join me. That's what it's about. Find the verb. So it is about attention preceding almost anything else. So, you know, you're not who you think you are. You are who they think you are. You, You know what you would like to be. You know who you are. But if they think you're something else, because you have either led them astray by by telling them information that was irrelevant that sent them down the wrong path, or you were just a little too vague. I mean, I've listened, I've listened to people, I've listened to people, and and um, thought they did something else because they. They sort of led me from led me uh, led me to think they were doing something. So, so you you are going to only be what you put in somebody's mind. Now keep in mind that your audience owes you nothing. They will not do any of the heavy lifting. You've got to you've got to be the one who communicates. Absolutely. So, let's talk for a minute about what is it that makes. Most of the presentations, most of the pitches, and sometimes even somebody's, you you say to somebody, hey, what do you do? And they tell you, and you know that they failed to reach you. What is it about these presentations that that actually don't work? What makes a standard pitch not work?
2: If you read off the slides. Oh, my God. Yeah, you want (laughs) to.
1: What else? Monotone. Monotone? Monotone. No energy. There, it's, and here's the theme of it. people aren't passionate. You can't, you can't get somebody else excited unless you're excited and you show that. And it's got to be sincere. It's got to be authentic. You have to be you. Don't ever read. You have to have a conversation with somebody. I don't care if you stand. I, you have to be the best you. That's why this is not about public speaking. It's about delivering. But it's not about public speaking. It's about having a conversation with one person or a thousand people. And it's gotta be they you know if somebody's gonna invest or buy your product or do any of this, it's because you know, investors tell me this all the time. We're not investing in the technology. Who are they investing? What are they investing in you. Investing in you. You could have the best idea on the planet if I don't think you can pull it off. You're not do so well. So what else? So it's, it's, uh, what? What are people? How many people have used um, PowerPoint, for instance? <laughs> Isn't it interesting? I, I will say I'll be in a group and I'll say here's here's the weird. If I say the word presentation, what's the first word that pops into your head? PowerPoint. And it's always PowerPoint. Uh, and here's the PowerPoint. See, visual learning is very powerful. PowerPoint has gone down the wrong track. PowerPoint has, cr- has helped us create documents that we flash onto the screen. If we had more time, I would tell you there's a big difference in the decks we put together, the two types of decks, and people just screw this up all the time. Your deck that you use to present cannot be words that I have to say, do I listen to Chuck, or do I read what's on the slide? <coughs> That has to be simple. That has to be the underscore. The deck that you send out is a document, but it just happens to be on PowerPoint. So we need two different names. We need the words, a deck, can be our presentation, our slides for our presentation, and the thing that happens to be in PowerPoint that happens to be a document, but they are two separate things. You want more information on something that someone's going to read on their own because you're not going to be around. Anyway, we could spend our entire hour talking about why so many presentations, uh, I think the techno word is suck. <laughs> so. Let me tell you the story about a person whose name is blotted out here, um, just to keep it from being totally embarrassing. Um, and he was somebody that was, that was being mental. And we sat down in a room like this and I said, okay, hmm," using his name, tell me about your technology. Tell me about your idea. And he tells me, and he's by the fourth sentence because he's very technical and an engineer, very technical, he lost me by the third sentence. I had no idea. And you've been in conversations with maybe maybe even him. So anyway, at one point I said, you know, hmm," using his name, uh, I don't quite get it. And he looked at me. Keep in mind, the office hours that we do here are free. You know, we're volunteering our time. So he says to me, he takes his pen, he throws it down on the desk, and he says, you investors and mentors are all, you're just, you're so stupid sometimes. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, I explain this over and over, and none of you get it. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're explaining it over and over, and I'm not going to it, is there maybe a theme Common that's running <laughs> through this? So he didn't get it. It's his responsibility. It's your responsibility to get somebody excited. It's your responsibility to be clear. If I had my big deck, I would, I'm going off on a tangent for a moment, if I had my big deck here, I would tell you every presentation you do needs to do five things. It needs to start by capturing attention. Number two, it needs to engage your audience and make the content relevant. Number three, it has to be simple. Do not overtell your story. Once you lose me, we're gone. It's better to say, okay, I I like what you say, now I have more questions. It has to be simple. Number four, it has to be memorable. It's too much noise out there. How are you gonna be remembered? And number five, it has to have a purpose, it has to drive action. Unless you do all five of those things, you're not going to have a presentation that's going to be working on your behalf. But at any rate, don't be this guy. You
3: know,
1: I just kept saying, I guess they don't get it, and I was saying, no, it's not their fault. So it's not your audience's responsibility to be understood. Content to understand you. It is your responsibility to be understood because you're the one who has who's got. You're the one who wants something out of this, so you make sure that you reach them. Your core story remains the same. What you do remains the same. When I say to you, "Hey, what do you do?" What I really want to know, don't tell me how you do it because I don't care. I may care later. When I say, "What do you do?" What I really want to know is. Andrea, why do you deserve to be in the cosmos? What's the problem you're solving or the opportunity that you're bringing? And it better be one of those. Number two, why should I care? Or why should your audience care? That's what makes it a story. Stories about emotion, stories about connecting. So why do you deserve to be in the cosmos? But more important, why should I care about that? Can I identify with the problem you're solving, or at least empathize with it? The third thing, actually, is the thing that a lot of people forget when they're pitching, is what do we do next? What's the ask? Why do you deserve opinion cosmos? Why should I care? What do we do next? You answer those questions, and you're going to captivate your uh, audience. So, Here's some things we can talk about today. Now, that's a little background, and now we're just gonna chat. You're gonna ask me some questions, I'm gonna give you what I think is a good answer, and if not, I'm gonna be so convincing that you think it's a good answer. (laughs) So I'll do that. And then we're just gonna maybe share some experiences or talk about the things that are important to us. So, you know, maybe some topics or what are some of the big mistakes we we can sidestep or You know, there's a lot of opportunities for mentors. How do you choose the right mentor? What's your responsibility? to a mentor and what is a mentor's responsibility to you. Um, what about the q and I definitely want to talk about that at the end and I'm going to tell you the pitches that you make, are sometimes not easy, the prepared pitches are not even as important as the Q&A. Why is the Q&A so important? What is the Q&A? What, why do you think a QA and a is more important than sometimes your actual pitch? Yeah? Because it's tailored to what people
0: actually want to know.
1: Yeah. You you are answering a question, but they're telling you more than you're telling them. What are they telling you? When I ask a question, what what am I telling? What am I saying? What you really want to know. What I really Mm want to know, or what do I value? What do I value? Or what's my problem? What what was was the problem? Make me a dentist. Yeah. Or what 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 did I not explain well? Or um, what is it that's going to get you? Get me more involved. Um, an interesting story. We used to do a lot of video and film production, and I had consulting film company, and it was very high end stuff. And one of my clients was PepsiCo. And uh, Pepsi hired my company to do that. We, we did overall probably close to a thousand training programs for them over a ten-year period. And uh, one of them was a big video sales program. And rather than just listen to the salespeople who gave me their best practices, I wanted to see firsthand, you know, what, you know, from the audience perspective. So I flew down to Orlando and I spent the day with a sales guy who's the guy who drives a big 18-wheeler truck. It's not a guy in a car that's. This is the guy that loaded the shelves. He's the salesperson for that. So I, I'm riding along with this guy who's loading the shelves and talking to the store managers. And when we were driving from one location to another, he, uh, he told me a bit about just his, you know, how long he had been there and what he was up to and this other wonderful stuff and he said something, this guy never went to sales school, he didn't, never went to college, I don't even know if he graduated from high school and he was probably the best salesperson i ever heard. And he said, you know, if you listen hard enough, your customer will always tell you how to sell them. So as a presenter. You need to be monitoring your audience. You can read in somebody's eyes. You can, you know, you can get people to nod by nod. You can get people. You, you can just, you can read people. You can, you can learn a whole lot, and you also learn a pile of stuff by the questions they ask. Now, uh, I, I love the Q and A. Let me go off on a little, another little tangent because that's the format of today.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> three rules about it. I, normally I say I give guidelines, but I want to give you three rules about Q&A. Number one, never make up an answer. If you don't know, it's perfectly fine to say, I, you know, I don't. I don't, but I'm going to find that out. Because if you make up an answer and you're wrong, it's not so good. But there's something that people forget. You go into a room, especially with investors, they're going to You have an investor who's going to ask you a question, and what do they already maybe know? They may know the answer. So if you answer it wrong, you will likely not be invited back. So second thing, listen to the question. It's um, don't, you see these game shows where people buzz in too early and they answer a question that just is a stupid answer? Listen to the entire question. So listen to the question, but there's another there's another explanation for listening to the question, and that is listen for the subtext. Why are they asking that question? So that's yeah. important. The third thing uh, is always give the short answer. Don't give a long answer. And the reason is not only might you bore somebody out of <laughs> tears, but um, there is this thing that I discovered that I call the intermediary question. We do this all the time. I may say, uh, uh, Mary, uh, is your dress green? And if you went on for about seven minutes of what a green is and what it means, and then at the end of the seven minutes, that intermediary question, then I need to phrase my next question. By the end of that long tirade, I might have forgotten what. The real question that I wanted to ask. So give, give the short answer for questions when you can. So, you know, we could also chat about things to say and what not to say. So anyway, that's a little bit of a backdrop uh, of, of what, you know, what I think, how, how I think how valuable our communication and our story uh, is. That's the world I live in. I'm not a technical guy, but part of, if I had a superpower, it's being able to listen to somebody like Kyle who might have be so involved in, in the weeds of what he's doing, he's got the long explanation and maybe then I can turn and say, isn't what you're doing this? And we sum it up. You're going to be a great storyteller if, you know, Alex, you can tell Andrea what you do, and then Andrea can turn around and tell Steve. That's when you know you've nailed your story, is when you can create it so it is is uh, uh, repeatable. So anyway, what do you want to touch? That's what I like. What do you want to talk about? Remember, and you remember my list from before. There's certain topics that we're not going <coughs> to... How do you
0: find out, like, what your customers care about? It's like customer interviews, like surveys,
1: just talking to them as much as you can. And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) (laughs) You you just have to be be savvy. You have to know the right questions to ask first. You you need to learn as much about your audience as you can. Um, And you need to be also, when you do a presentation, you need to be agile because you're going to continue to learn about these things. You're going to continue, and during a conversation, you may have to do a pivot. You may walk into a room thinking uh, that you, you know, I I think I know what Korea wants. And then about four minutes in the conversation, you say something that makes me pivot. So I think the most important word, how many people have startups now? I mean, uh, first of all, I hate when when people. I don't want to see another presentation start. How many people in the room are uh, oxygen-breathing mammals? Did I see a show of hands? (laughs) So it gets a little old. And the other thing gets old. (laughs) Please let me. I'm going to go back to Q&A. There's one thing I beg you not to do, and we do it. We do it uh, almost involuntarily. Jeff asks me a question, and generally if I'm like everybody else, what's the first thing I say after Jeff asks the question? Say it in unison. I know what you're going to say. Great question. Yes. Well, first of all, yeah, I want to say, yeah, it's a great question because I asked it. You know, (laughs) it's my question, (laughs) of course it's a great question. (laughs) Do Do you know why we say, why people sort of involuntarily say, hey, that's a great question? Do you know why they say that?
2: So what are they, they doing? The
1: They're buying time. So I'm going to tell you what to do, rather than say, because after, I mean once in a while to say, you know, if it really is a great question, <laughs> but I was at a presentation and like every question was, that's a great question and by the time there was the 14th question we were laughing, you know. Does anyone in the room have a bad question, please, <laughs> shout them out. Um, we're buying time. So I'm going to tell you, somebody asked you a question. It's okay to pause for two or three seconds. That's what human beings do. It's also some drama in it. But the other thing you should do, there's something else that's very positive that you can do, which would be what? What could buy me time and also be really valuable for the rest of the group? Repeat the question. So anyway, that's where we go with it. So, um, I got far afield. Did I answer <laughs> the question? <maybe? laughs> that's a great question. about like, great. how you find out about like, yeah. what your customers care about. Like. sometimes. It's um, first of all, I've heard investors actually say that I expect people who walk in the room to know as much about us as,
3: yeah.
1: it, and they they um, they want to know that you've done your homework. And it's okay if you're going to do a you know a pitch or a presentation. Find out, read the you know read the guidelines. Um, I was judging a pitch thing this was a couple of years ago. And somebody came in all prepared. They were just polished for this three-minute pitch. And they got into the room and what might what did they discover? It was only a one-minute pitch. Oh, God. So now this guy has to in his head boil down three minutes to one minute. He didn't do a very good job. So learn as much as you can. But also, don't be so locked into what you do that you can't be flexible. You have to be, in your head, so agile that if somebody throws you a curve, you've got to be able to know how to react to it. Um, And never, ever, ever memorize and deliver. First of all, you're going to be crappy actors. You're not trained for that. You've got to be the best you you can be. But the other thing about people who memorize their stuff picture this. I'm at a pitch session, first pitch this poor kid's ever done, just graduated from college. He's standing up and he's doing his presentation, which he's memorized, and it's coming out very, very flat. He gets about a minute and a half into his three-minute pitch, and it's stage fright. bottom of the floor drops out. He forgot where he was. Deer in the headlight, (laughs) eyes this big, fear, what he had to do. he had to start from the beginning. It's like coming out and, and doing a running jump again. It was. And at the end, I walked up to him because he felt terrible. I said, what? "You know more about this than anybody on the planet. You just need to be confident. Just talk to your audience. They want to see you. So you need to be. No matter what you do, you need to be authentic. But to the answer to the question, you got to do. You've got to do your own homework." When I do my big workshop, there are four segments, strategy, who your audience is, finding your stakeholders, what's important to them, what's their pain, what's their opportunity, what are they really looking for, what's the need, and what are the obstacles and pushbacks that they might have from buying your idea. So strategy is part of it. The second is your flow of the story, knowing what to say and what not to say. One size doesn't fit all. Your story needs to be told through the lens of the people who you are addressing. And that's why you need to know whether you're an investor or whether it's somebody who's going to be a co-founder. Whether it's somebody who's invested in companies like this before or whether or not this is kind of a new, a new thing for you. Learn as much as you can. And don't be afraid during your presentation to ask your audience questions. You want to find out about that. So uh, the third is, is how we use, you know, visuals and demos and because uh, most people use PowerPoint in a way that's just wrong. Uh, and the fourth is how do we become the best conduit? How do we do, uh, how do we communicate? How do we make sure we're engaging? Uh, how do you do things like Skype? You know, we have a lot of meetings. I have clients, I have people who I've never met face-to-face and we've known each other for years. And it's all, they're two-dimensional. Yeah, they're, I, they could be this big for all <laughs> I know, because <laughs> that's how, how big they are. So uh, the answer is yes. Learn as much as you can, but be but be agile because you're gonna you're gonna uh, it, learning is not just what you do in advance. It's going to be what you're learning through the process as well. What else? Yeah.
0: So you mentioned how uh, you want to be as flexible flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. And in my position right now, I'm in a place where I'm, you know, I want the, uh, the verb from other people's conversations to hire me, mm-hmm. but I feel as though I'm way too flexible currently of saying I, I just want to put myself in any place and anybody who wants to hire me. So it's one of those things where going into these things and going to, you know, just having a conversation with somebody, how do I say... Hire me without saying hiring me, and saying
1: that I'm, you know, I'm all well, the best for way I would say do is that don't <laughs> hire anybody else on the planet. and exactly. I will be the only one left. <laughs> yeah. So You must <laughs> <want to laughs> hire me. No, that's one. That's one uh, uh, approach. Here's a, uh, hiring or funding or buying a product. It's all the same. What it is, it's all about decision making. We are. We need to be the the um, catalyst for people making the decisions we want them to. Um, so we, first of all, need to figure out what is, that, what is the science and art behind making a decision. And here's an observation I had, and I don't know if it's been tested, but this is just my experience. And let me share this. I think we engage with people based on similarities. If the more comfortable I feel with what I know that Jeremy does, Uh, The more experience I have in what, just the more background I have, the more I'm going to lean forward, not be confused, and be interested. But we don't, we engage based on similarities, but we make decisions based on differences within similarities. Give you an idea. I had to buy a refrigerator. Like it's my 18th refrigerator. Why don't they last about, you know, they, I have I have vegetables that have lasted longer <laughs> than some of the re- re- buying the wrong refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I remember my grandmother had a refrigerator that I think they brought from, you know, their their parents brought from Europe on their back, and it was still a functioning refrigerator. So I had to buy a refrigerator. We know what refrigerators do. They keep things cold. Mm-hmm. But I didn't buy a refrigerator because of the similarities because all refrigerators keep things cold. I bought it because of some of the features or the benefits. Features are unimportant. Benefits are what are important. There were benefits to certain refrigerators that others didn't have, and that was the reason I bought it. So people will engage with you and listen to you based on the similarities, how how much you can engage with them, but they will decide on you based on the things that make you different from everyone else. Is that
0: and that goes back to the reason that Q&A is more important than pitch, because you're tailoring it to that pitch specifically specific
1: exactly. benefits. Exactly. So should
0: we just drop the pitches completely when we're fundraising?
1: <laughs> well, <you> <laughs> well, sometimes you can do that. Sometimes it can be that open-ended, but I, I think that we need to walk in. The problem with pitches, especially in the world that we live in, is now there's a certain expectations. There's, you know, and one of the things that I hate is... You're limited to a ten-slide deck. Uh, very few things that get—I mean, uh, very few things that get me more riled up, and that is—and I know why they do it—is because certain decks are so bad that like so I only—I only, I only want to see ten. Ten's but—but th- I mean, the reality is that your the number of slides you have should not be noticeable. What should be noticeable is the story. The number of slides should be invisible. If the, if the world knows how many slides you have, then they're counting the wrong, they're focusing on the wrong thing. When I do my big workshop, I get to this point, talk about the number of slides, and and some and, and, uh, I say, all right, how, how many slides do you think we've had at this point? People will say, oh, at least 50. <laughs> some people say, well, I think it's closer to 40, and some will say, no, I think it's been like 50, 60. And then I show them the number not counting the builds, which actually make more images. By that point, it's 350 slides. Now, you would never have that many. This is an eight-hour workshop, so there's going to be a lot of visuals. But I said, this proves the point that you are concentrating on content. It's all about content. You shouldn't even be aware of how many slides there are. So, your, the, the value for you is you have to tell a story that leaves an impression and gets people to do what it is that you're going to do. Um, so to that, what else? So like, I'm sure a
0: lot of people deal with this, like, we have so many, like, value propositions for our customers, and, like, we, in today's world, everyone's like, oh, you need to make things, like, short and concise. Mm-hmm. You probably can't, like, outline all the value propositions in one email and someone, like, how do you choose, pick and choose, like, what value props, like, to say in your messaging?
1: Well, that's that's a good question. No. <laughs> What's the
0: difference between marketing and your story? I'm sorry? It's the difference, I think, between marketing versus what is your story. The story is something that yeah. Chuck knows how to do. <laughs> marketing is, would be more personalized messages based off of that, for tailoring, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any any other, I don't know.
2: Any Even other ser- story observa- I'm sure you can get the rest. Yeah. 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 Any other observations on this? I mean it's, it depends who is your audience because sometimes the audience is not the guys who benefit of your, of your of your of your product. Okay, maybe you can give them some value but it's not the people who benefit benefits for your product. If you talk with investors, these people will not benefit your product. And maybe they make money for your product, but most of the time they will not benefit for your product. So it's a, so sometimes, yes. for, for example, if I'm i working on uh, medical devices, they do doing also? I, if I talk with patients, I don't have nothing to explain them. Look, solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if I talk with in I my talk, to, I have? To, okay, this solve is like, better for you, but you know, it depends, right? Yeah. well
1: uh, there, there are a couple of really interesting issues here issue number one is you know I, and I'm, I'm hating the word value proposition we're getting so much jargon now
3: yeah.
1: you, know, um, you know what's our beachhead benchmark <laughs> <laughs> what? You
3: know,
1: it's basically hey is it a problem or an opportunity and either we're going to either we're going to solve a problem or enhance an opportunity. Let me tell you, in every presentation you do, every presentation you do must change the, change the emotional state. You must either, at the end of the presentation, move me from feeling pain or problem or need to potential solution or opportunity to enhanced opportunity. You may already be doing something well. But Isabella can help me do it better. Now I'll tell you, it's harder to sell opportunity because hey, I'm already doing it okay. I don't necessarily need So you really have to show an ROI. Um, But Getting back to this other point, sometimes it seems that we have too many value propositions and they don't tie together. Do you ever meet somebody or even sometimes you look at all, you, all the stuff that you do and you say, I do this, this, and this, yeah, yeah, and yeah, people yeah. think I do five different things? Yeah. And then they almost yeah. think yeah. you do nothing. They're and then, like and then yeah, because they don't really understand what it is that you do. Now, and I'll tell you the, 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 the problem, and I figured out what the problem is. If you do, if you have a company that it makes sense to you to be doing all five of these things, but they look to the outside world like you're doing five different things, And you're explaining it at the wrong level. There is a level above that that all of these things have line of sight to. That's who you are with all of these things underneath. And I see company after company making the mistake that, at the end, I'm not sure what they do because they seem to do five things, (laughs) and I may choose the one. Uh, Well, there was a, 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 and the other thing that's similar to that is sometimes when you give a, uh, it's always great to start with a real life story, but, Sometimes you give a story and it throws people down the wrong tributary. uh, Before I started working with uh, one particular client, they had a kind of a time sharing for heavy duty medical and scientific equipment. And And it's a great concept, but what they started by talking about was how they were solving a problem for the genetic testing world, which in itself would have been a great story. However, the way they told the story until we were five minutes into the presentation, we all thought they were in what business? Genetic testing. So you've got to be very careful about how, once again, if you lead somebody down the wrong path, it's harder to have them back down and then go down the right path. So this, once again, your responsibility, you've got to think about this from the standpoint of the people who you are trying to uh, enliven so that that answer yeah, okay kinda. and do then like s- the, oh, go ahead do you suggest pitching to um, beyond pitching do you suggest presenting to current needs or perceived future needs <laughs> <laughs> um it really it really could, it will depend on your on your audience i think in some cases what you want to do is you want to make sure you don't overpromise. You know, Look at all the things we can do, and then an investor is going to say, no, you can't do that. So the the advice I give is you can say to somebody, there's a big problem out there. Here's the way we're going to be approaching it, and it's all handleable, and let me show you how we're going to get there. But once we get there, look at the opportunities we have to scale into all of these other areas. And I think that's generally a better way to do it than promising, because you know, Investors, and it's even audiences in general, are, are aware of when people are, gonna, are overpromising. And it's, that's a great idea, but I'm, you're losing credibility because I know you can't pull that off. But if you realistically end up saying, hey, you know, this, is the, this is the big opportunity out there, but here's where we're starting, because we know we can be successful specifically doing this. Going back to your point, like,
0: if you do five different things, like, bring it to, like, a higher level, do you feel like if there's a point where you can, like, go like, to a two-eye level, like, everything boils down to either, like, saving people money
1: or yeah. saving them okay. time or making them more money. So, like, how do you balance that? And this ways? is where the art, there's a science behind presenting and there's an art. And you've got to find that balance between both. One of two things happens. Either our statements are so vague that nobody has any idea what we do, what do you do? Well, we're making the world a better place. <laughs> Good I am. Or somebody said, uh, we have an intensive algorithm that takes uh, the uh, and, and they and they explain this technical jargon. They have no idea where they're going. Mm-hmm. You need to find that thing that explains very concisely. Almost, it's it, and I call it. I think it's poetry is finding that mix of, <coughs> of words, terminology, that clearly explains what it is, that you do concisely and elegantly. I went to a uh, it was a marketing technology uh, conference about two months ago. I said, I've been to it, it's okay. And I went into the exhibit hall, and there were 250 booths of people who are marketing tech marketing technology. And I had to say, marketing technology, these are the worst marketeers I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody was talking, I mean everybody's tagline was optimizing the customer experience. <laughs> what does that mean? There were two words that I uh, yeah. in my head I had. Yeah. But what does that mean? You So it was, and the way I just, you know, the way I described it? I said to someone, I just went to a marketing technology conference where there were 250 booths. What I ended up seeing was one company with 250 booths. Everybody looked exactly the same. You need to differentiate. Once again, I I need to know that you're in the marketing technology field, and and I don't think that you make dog wallets. Which, by the way, would not be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't have pockets. <laughs> All right, uh, so I, we don't have enough time to, to really get into my, you know, my passion. But um, you, you need to find you need to find that. I think um, you need a good depth. You need a good overview. You need a good tagline. You need that one sentence. Let me talk about one of the, the the thing, here's a word, as much as I hate the word presentation, you know the word I hate even more? Elevator pitch.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what? I think that, that we, we, the, the, the name itself throws everyone. Elevator pitch. How much information can I talk, if I were in an elevator, between the time the door closes and the time the door opens, how much information can I cram into as we move between floors? First of all, I don't like the word elevator pitch, but I'll come back to why we should use it. But I don't like the word elevator pitch because first of all, anybody talks to me on an elevator and I'm kind of (laughs) going to move. Oh, thank you. Uh, This this next floor is mine, yes. uh, (laughs) <laughs> I know it's only where they store brooms, but this, <laughs> is, this is where I was going, thank you. Uh, people think that it's how much information can I cram into a in, short period of time. It's not. The purpose of an elevator pitch is to what? What's the real purpose an of an elevator, elevator pitch? Let's have another meeting. Let me interest you, let me engage you enough to say, hey, tell me more. But then I thought about it, I thought, should we, should we abandon the use of the word elevator pitch? And I was saying, no, we should use the word elevator pitch, but just change the definition to what it really should mean. Do you know what, how I define an elevator pitch? The purpose of an elevator pitch is to elevate the interest of the person who you. View. So it's not the room that's moving, it's the interest level of the person who you're dealing with that's moving. That's the goal of what an elevator pitch should be. So, what do you do in an elevator pitch? You frame the problem, you frame the solution, and why you are the right choice. It really comes down to why do you deserve to be in the cosmos? Why should your audience care? What's your solution? And what differentiates you? If you keep those things in mind, um, let me. If you keep these things in mind, I think that you will. Be uh, uh, a lot more successful in what you do because it, it's, it's going to come down to your story. It's going to come down to can you can you get that person out there interested in in saying ah in all this noise in the startup world I like what Julie's doing. I like what Alex is doing. I, I I'll remember Jeff next time because we had a really good. Uh, Conversation. So, I mean, that's the purpose of all this, and this is why I keep coming down to. I don't care how good your technology. Here's here's one of my strokes. I'm trying to teach the world how to do this, and I do a lot of stuff for free. And strangely enough, I do charge for some of the stuff that I do.
0: When's your next session for, charging, yes. for your December charging?
1: December eighteenth is sorry. the last one we're doing this year. It's gonna be at CIC. Anybody wants it? I got a full day workshop that, that's coming up on the eighteenth, but I'm not here to sell you. But anybody who's interested, I would love to have you know. It is and I have to tell you, there is nothing that I love better than watching the transformation. And if you've gotten anything out of an hour that we're spending today, uh, you'll see why. I I just I love Helping people figure out how to get the rest of the world excited about what it is that they do. Uh, you know, we are only as good as our story. We we. Uh, there's too much noise out there, and people don't have a big attention span. They will only have a. They will only engage with you if you do something that is in, uh, in their. In their interests. I'm only going to buy your technology or invest in you or do anything else because you're going to be doing something for me. That's why I say people list all kind of features. They want to talk about features. Screw the features. The features aren't important. What's important is what? Benefits. The benefits, the consequences of your features. Because that your features are about you and nobody cares about you. The benefits are about them make the story about them you can be the subject matter you can be the heroes but the story needs to be all about them so um, I mean I, I, I do think and not just because it's my own field but I think that, that we are not going to succeed unless we get across both it, our, the information and, and the uh, kind of image of who we are Um, investors tell me all the time we see great ideas that we won't fund because we don't like the person behind it the person who I was describing before whose name I blotted out will never get funded I'll guarantee you that because he was just he's not fundable (laughs) you know the best thing to be if you are in a startup company is coachable i m I've, I've ment- I started mentoring once a month here. I'm here now the last four years every Thursday. There's nothing the day I don't get to charge anybody anything is my favorite day of the week. I've meet today two people in the room. I've met some of you otherwise. I may meet some of you later on in the in the mentoring that I do here. Um, I love seeing these ideas. I I love seeing the you know the light bulbs go off, but ultimately you're only going to be as good as your ability to convince other people that you are you have something of some um, something of some value. Um, you know, any uh, yes.
3: I, I wanted to ask, um, and I know this is a, an uncomfortable topic for some people, but thinking about racism and sexism, honestly, like a, B- uh, talk uh, a bad, about Yeah, racism, <laughs> sexism, like <bad>. that's <laughs> not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, next question. No, anyway, don't. Worry. I know
3: you're talking so much about you know liking the person or investing yeah. in the person, but I wonder how much of you know we know the numbers of what number of dollars go to this color person or that gender person and so ha- do you have advice about how to think about making that connection with the investor that might have some things they haven't thought about through, through well first of all
1: like? first of all if you have an investor that is looking at color or any of these things then that's an investor you don't want to be in the room with anyway. Right. I, I, I <laughs> you move to the next world Yeah, exactly. Um, there are some societal ills that we're not going to be able to change. You just need to be savvy about it. and and keep in mind the best decisions that you make are not who your investors are, but sometimes who your investors aren't. You know, you Okay, you've been you've had your own right. Give me twelve seconds on 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 the you know the value of a good you know the the, the personality mix.
0: I think it's connection which we were talking about. I mean it's uh, it's not just your story, but it's whether or not they can hear your story. And there are people who are biased on the story, so if you do some research, you can find out, oh, this person only invests in biotech and I have a hippie wellness company. Mm-hmm. not the right fit. That's not a product market fit. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, and, uh, and,
1: here's a, and, and that is in some ways just as much as a bias as, as, you know, color or sex or anything else. But here's an interesting thing. Sometimes you can always take a nuanced story and make and so find something negative and turn it into a positive. And sometimes yes. I've told people, all right, what if you have somebody who says, you know, oh, uh, we haven't, we've not invested in biotech but if you know something about it, say, but you know, you invested in this, and let me show you why we're similar. Right, right. So
0: But it's resonating with him, which is what I think you and I have yeah. talked about yeah. too, yeah. is that if you can get that we, But that's the story it,
1: it is it <laughs> is all about getting people to resonate. Um, I mean I'm in the coolest business ever. I mean I, I mean I'm not a technical person. I don't I wouldn't know how to code if somebody else got in my. <laughs> but I can help somebody figure out how to explain how they code and why we translate it into mere mortal. I can help people take technical stuff and translate it into, into the ability to talk to a regular human and make it, make it you know make it meaningful, memorable, get you out of the weeds. And sometimes you're going to find that you can't do this by yourself. You need either a good mentor. Let me tell you something about mentors. A lot of people out there. I mentor a lot of companies, in there and, and specifically in the strategy area. Um, uh, There are people who do law, there are people who do accounting, there are people who do IP, there are people... So a lot of people doing a lot of different wonderful things can can very much help. Find the best people you can, Uh, but also understand the following. One of the first things I say to people is just because I'm a mentor doesn't mean I'm right. So take and balance, use your own judgment. One of the things I, I, I like to tell people, and it's so true, and it happened with a client of mine this morning. I was on the phone with a, a, a really neat company on Pittsburgh, where I'm from originally. Um, and it's just coincidental she was in Pittsburgh, so we got to discuss Pittsburgh. But anyway, she had the same problem that a lot of people end up having. She went in and made a pitch, and an investor said, I like the pitch, except if you do this in the future, I would make these changes. So she went back and made the changes and presented to the next group. And guess what they said? We like the presentation, but we suggest that you make the following changes. And you know what the changes were. Back to what she had done
3: originally.
1: So, here's the other rule. Here's the other thing. Here's the other observation. And that is no matter what you do, someone will tell you you're wrong. So you just need to trust sometimes your uh, own judgments. you It's your company. You've got to ultimately make the decision. Nobody's going to make that decision for you. You've got to be the person who is the conveyor of your own story, but find the right mentors, find the right Sherpas, to, you know, guide you up this mountain. When you go and find mentors, for instance, once again, find somebody who you're comfortable with. Find somebody who you really trust. Because trust is gonna be the basis of all of it. Um, Your responsibility, your your mentor's responsibility is give you the best judgment they can. Your responsibility to the mentor is be coachable. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not right, let them finish. You know, I hate people where this, by the third word they're saying, well, the problem is, No, let's explore this. I don't want to hear what the problem is. Let's identify if this is a problem, how do we get around it. So uh, that's a bit about uh, what it is. I wish we had more. This is I th- I don't know, I don't know about you, this hour went fast for me, but maybe it went fast for me because you didn't have to listen to me. <laughs> but... Um, I'm not sure if they need the room. For, there might be something else coming in and we can't even uh, stay. But I want to make sure everybody has, um, once again, this is what you want people to end up doing. Let me tell you one thing before we, I give you some, some follow-up. That some of you will have an idea that will fail. That will just not be a good idea. Number one, you're gonna to have to learn how to pivot. Because
3: yeah. you
1: can save things by being resilient. Um, but even if you do, even if you falter, even if you fail, you know why I want you to fail? I want you to fail because your idea sucked. <laughs> and not because you had a really great idea, but you couldn't convince anybody. That would be, I think that would be the tragedy, and that is unfortunately the tragedy with a lot of companies that are out there who aren't doing well. They just didn't know how to express it. Um, you know, what's improve your own skill set. There's a lot of programs out there that are free programs. Take advantage of them. And keep in mind, when you do a free program with somebody, the one thing that you should never do, if somebody is giving you free time, do not ever blow them off. You know, I've had, I've had, and I'm pretty strict about this, somebody cancels in advance, I'm fine, you can rebook. Somebody doesn't show up and they will never talk to me. You know, you hire me as a consultant and I'm charging you up a fairly decent chunk of money. If you show up, that's, whether you show up or not, it's my money. <laughs> um, uh, you show up and we're going to do great work. Don't show up and it's, well, it's still my money. Thank you. Uh, if I give you my time free, I own you. You better be here and if you're not, I don't ever want to see you again. That's what you owe to your mentors. So anyway, there's a lot of free stuff. There's some programs out there that are not free. I'm going to tell you, unless you invest in yourself, don't expect anybody else to invest in you. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, I hear this all the time. Well, I can't afford to do this. Well, if you can't afford to do something simple, then you can't afford, then what you have is a hobby. You have to be willing to put it all out on the line. You have to figure out how you can buy, get the stuff that's free that you need, but be willing to pay for the stuff that is not. So. Know a lot of stuff out there, and thank you for bringing it. I do have a workshop coming up, I'll just mention this very briefly. Um, the that happens to be its thing. Uh, if you want to go to corestoryeventbrite.com, I want you to do this. I want you to plug in the following discount, there would be a 25% discount on the on the, on the program.
3: But even if you don't,
2: yes, I have a question. I say today, as this is a type. To sell yourself to investors before selling yourself to customers or users, do you think it's a good it's a good strategy? Is work.
1: Well, it depends whether you need outside money. Some I know people who never have to go to an investor because
2: they get enough. Uh, they but get it's, enough revenue. Not, it's not. It's not about what you need. It's not. It's about what you offer. Right. So well, some uh,
1: and some investors are going to say unless you show me traction, do you have sales? You know, if you're in, 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 in pre seed, sometimes you get people to investing
2: in your idea, but that's not generally how but it works. I mean, because I see that people, they're they embracing a, a culture like, people don't talk with investors, we don't have any customer. So I, I really, I don't understand that. I don't know I said, like, who you can build that business with
1: Generally, if you're talking to investors, they want to see that you have some traction. They're going to see you have some promise, and sometimes you actually need a lot of investors won't really want to talk to you unless you have revenue. But once again, you'll find that out when you do your own due diligence to find out who you're pitching. Know as much about your uh, audience as you you possibly can. Let's kind of sum up before they chase us out of the room. Anything that we've done today that you think you can kind of immediately apply to what it is that you're doing? So you're nodding. Anything? Put you Um, on the spot.
0: (coughs) Yeah, I something that you said earlier to me and then something that you repeated again is that it's your job to be the best you and to be authentic and you know I think that really is the catalyst behind you know changing someone's emotional state getting them on board um, and uh, being able to convince them and compel them to do whatever you want so I've, I've just sat through a lot of meetings and things where I've seen the opposite, I know I've tried to be what I thought the audience wanted to be, and it's, you don't quite land um, in an authentic space, so that resonated with me.
1: Yeah, be yourself, because, frankly, you know what it's like, think about this. I gonna use the weirdest analogy. There are dating sites out there that people post pictures of themselves, you know, from from 2003. <laughs> you know, eventually they're going to find out what you really look like. So you need to go into anything not trying, you know. You can, you can show where your potential is, but you still have to be authentic and you have to be you. And frankly, most audiences at this point are going to be able to kind of tell the difference between the people who are just throwing a lot of crap around and people who really clearly are uh, worth listening to. What I want you to do is, no matter what you do, be passionate about what you do and be worth listening to. Make sure you understand that it is really about the people who you're trying to reach. You've got to, in the same way, kind of like them, too. it's, it's fun when you can make it work. So um, if you haven't been able to tell already, I love what I do. I mean I love meeting people like you. That's why I, I spend every week here meeting four or five companies. I probably met a thousand companies last year. and not just I you know I've had at least a thousand conversations. But the important thing is who are the ones that who am I going to remember? I'm going to remember you if you did something that embeds, it's memorable, that it hit me, that there's some level of engagement. Get my attention, engage me, make your story simple. Be memorable so I remember you so the next time, I mean, I'm crappy with names, but, you know, once you rekindle that, I will probably, if you did something Mm -hmm. important, I will probably remember, uh, I will probably remember who you are. I might not remember, based on all the people, exactly what you do, but we'll get back into that flow. You'll re those kinds of problems. So it's your responsibility. Sp- don't wait until your code is done. And we'll, we'll, while the, the paint is dry, and then I'll do my story. You need to do your story simultaneously because you need to hit the ground running and be prepared. And But the most important reason that you need to create your story simultaneously is because the, the first person who has to hear your story is you, and what will will sometimes happen by articulating a story, all of a sudden it'll hit you that, you know, what I'm doing is, what I really should be doing is the thing that's sitting right behind the thing that I'm looking at. That's, and you can only know that by being kind of objective and listening to your own story. So you do that, and I'm going to guarantee you. That you're going to be a lot more successful in what you do. I hope this has been valuable. I mean, like I said, I like what I do. I hope some of these things um, are of some interest. Anybody, feel free. Those of you who have not chatted with me in office hours, feel free to sign up at some point. Um, if you're interested in the programs that I run outside, come and talk to me. Um, but love what you do. Keep, you know, just keep, keep doing it. So anyway, I thank you for your time and your attention. Thank you. thank you. Live from the cafe is produced and disseminated by the Venture Cafe
3: Foundation, a nonprofit organization striving to better connect the innovation community. To learn more about our events and resources, please visit us online at
1: venturecafecambridge.org, or come visit us at One Broadway in Cambridge, Massachusetts, every Thursday from three to eight p.m.